Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's the Chris and Amy show on KMOX every weekday, 10 to 1. Chris Ranji and Nate Gatter. Nate is in for Amy Marks Cores. And it is Thursday at 1130, which means it's our regular visit with our guy, our sports fella, Matt Pauley, who joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line this morning. Matthew, how are you doing? I am doing good. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing great. And uh, tonight you've got a countdown to opening day, correct? We do. It's kind of a uh, reflection on 2023, so we've got a few things up our sleeves for tonight. And this Cardinals report is brought to you by Renner Garage Door, R-E-N-N-E-R, forward and back, family-owned and top-rated, RennerDoorSTL.com. Do want to get to Mizzou football in a moment, but let's uh, let's go ahead and start with the Cardinals. This is the last time we will talk before the new year, unless you text me, unless you uh, unless you call me just to see how I'm doing. But I um, <laughs> As we're, why not? Oh, if you get into a fight, you have to tell me about it. You okay. know that. So um, as we approach the end of the year, I mean, we're just a few days away from 2024. We're far enough removed from the Cardinal season and well into the Cardinals off season. Do you have a, a general thought about the state of the organization, the state of the roster right now? Yeah, I think they're very much at a crossroads, and there's a lot of things going on right now. I think internally they're kind of reassessing the way they evaluate uh, how they do things, most specifically when it comes to pitching. We hear about them wanting more swing and miss. Uh, John Mozalak at the winter meeting spent a fair amount of time talking about the conversations that are going on internally about uh, the development process of pitching because they have not recently done a very good job of producing high-level major league talent. So you have that on one hand, and then on the other hand, you got a team that just put together one of the worst seasons that they've had in a really, really long time, and there are clear roster holes, and they, they're trying to you know patch those as much as they can, and they largely did that with the three pitchers that they signed. So it's a it's a now and later thing right now for the Cardinals because they have this offseason has to focus on what they need to do in the near term to be very competitive in 2024 while at the same time looking at 2023 and saying what does what happened last season say about the organization as a whole. Which is really the biggest question. And as you look at what happened in 2023, and you mentioned the miserable season it ended up being they were last in the division 20 games under 500, 21 games out of first place. The Brewers won the division. The question that you naturally ask is, is this team equipped as it stands right now? And there could be additions that happen between now and spring training, so the middle of February, that they will probably do something else. Don't know how how substantial it'll be, but it'll be something to help the team. Can this team make up 21 games in a deficit um, from the team in, in first, and can they make up that that 20 game ground of of being 20 games under 500? Can they improve significantly going into the season? I think they can. 
and I think they've done the heavy lifting already with the pitching. I don't think they're equipped to go on a World Series run right now, but I think they're equipped to go on a uh, division winning run. Now let's we still have to wait. I I still think the Cubs are going to do something more. You don't go spend that money on Craig Council and then just do nothing of significance in the off season. So it it's somewhat dependent upon what other teams are doing. I think the Brewers are going to take a step back. I think the Reds are a very scary team with that young talent that they have. Uh, but yeah, I. I think they have done enough to be competitive in the division. Yeah, the Brewers didn't really it seemed like they were in more of um unloading mode this offseason than they were in trying to make the team better. So I don't really know what to think of them. Um because they always surprise me. Every year I feel like ah the Brewers can't be good this year and then they're they're in the conversation by the end of the season. But it it's the Cubs and the Reds. Those are the two teams that concerned me the most in the division. They were just a game apart from each other in the standings. Um, the Cubs went on that run right before the trade deadline. They were close to selling, and then they went on the run, and they put themselves in the in the division conversation. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out for them. The Reds missed the playoffs as well. Just You said they're dangerous. Just how dangerous are those two teams? I think the Reds are more dangerous than the Cubs right now. Because Interesting. The, they have the most talent in the division. It's young, unproven talent, but that is the most talented team. And talent doesn't always win. Generally, it does. In most sports, it does. Baseball is kind of the sport where you know refining talent is, is as much of a thing as actually having the, the talent. But uh, I, I think that Reds team is scary. If they go add a couple veteran pieces, and that's a big question. You know, Jonathan Indy is on the market. Maybe they get something uh, back for him. I've always liked him a lot and think that he could probably get you something uh, pretty solid. We'll see what they do from a, from a pitching standpoint. But if they kind of get some well-placed veterans and uh, don't put too much pressure on those, those young kids and those young kids take that next step forward all together this year, I think that Reds team is incredibly scary. This is probably something you've talked about at some length on, on open line, uh, Matt, but with Yamamoto joining Shohei Otani on that monster contract in uh, Los Angeles, uh, Ranji and I have, have discussed it at one time or another, if anything needs to change, whether it would be something as drastic as a salary cap or adding still more teeth to a luxury tax or changing revenue sharing, if anything needs to change in order to try to equalize to some degree spending in major league baseball, do you feel anything needs to change, and if so, or if not, why or why not? No, I there's well, there's never going to be a salary cap. I, I think it's up to the owners. There's owners need to spend more. That that's what I that's my argument. Um, the Dodgers are obviously in a really uh, nice situation when it comes to market size and money coming in and things like that. But there's the the contracts they gave out, other teams could have also given out. So I don't think it's about putting rules in place. Uh, I wouldn't be totally against a salary floor, but for a salary floor to come in, I'm sure the other side would require a salary cap, and that's just never going to happen. So I I would mostly leave the system as it is. There's a cap in place. You know, the, when, if 90% of the teams don't want to get into the luxury tax, well, then that, that's salary cap. So it's, a, it's not a hard cap, but essentially baseball does have a salary cap because of the luxury tax. When you say that the, the contracts handed out here, particularly the Otani deal, is one that other teams could have given, do you mean basically, and let's put it in St. Louis terms, do you think the Cardinals could have signed Shohei Otani to that contract without the DeWitt family having to be willing to essentially spend 
private funds on it outside of the revenue the team brings in? Or do you think within the finances of the Cardinals as a business that even the Cardinals could have afforded that deal? It's a really good question. Um, I mean, I don't have their books in front of me. Right. So that's why I'm saying it just, it's a, yeah. it is a massive deal. I mean, I, I think I understand your point. I guess the more interesting question, maybe that we can speculate on It's not a massive better. deal for 10 years though. It, right. Right. But if, if you're, if your answer, and I don't disagree is we need to get the owners to spend more. If not with a floor of some kind, how can we do that? That's the question. That is the question because owners work together to be afraid so often. COVID happens, let's be afraid. Regional sports networks start to fall, let's be afraid. Like it's a it, I it's not collusion, but it's it, when you see one, you know, I think it was the Twins who were the first team this offseason that said that they were going to reduce payroll and then we know the Padres are going to do it and the like, all of a sudden everybody's reducing payroll outside of a select two or three teams. So, I just I think Major League Baseball owners, for whatever reason, live their lives in a worst possible scenario situation <laughs> where anytime something happens yeah. that could impact their bottom line, they start to mitigate against that all the while revenues like national TV money are going up, revenues connected to sports gambling are going up, uh, values of teams are going up, but it seems like sometimes there's more of a focus on some of the negative market forces. We were just talking about greedflation and companies jacking up prices during the inflation crisis and post-COVID and, and, and how they were pushing it just to see how far they could go. Um, you know, saying, hey, we're, you know, we're worried about this, that, and the other thing, so we have to raise prices. It's not dissimilar to what sports teams do. They do a very similar thing where they think, oh, my God, this this particular event, this lockout or this strike, that's going to kill us. So, you know, we have to be on our toes here, which is kind of it, – it's silly because if every single owner sell, sold their teams today, they would all make money on their investment, a lot yeah, they, of money on their investments. A lot investments. of money. Yeah. Yep. And and most of these owners are worth, you know, billions, billions. of dollars without billions. the team. Right. Yeah. Um and and by the way, so the Otani deal, I think people are kind when they talk about what the Dodgers did and it, it, there's the chorus of people who 20 years ago would say baseball players make too much and there should be a salary cap. I think that quieted quite a bit over the years as people became smarter on how players are paid, how much money teams make, how much money teams are worth. That cooled. But over the last couple of weeks, after those two Dodgers deals, the Yamamoto and Otani deals, those people came right back out. And there are so many people calling for that salary cap to happen. But, what Matt, what's interesting to me is people are acting like the Dodgers committed a billion dollars next year. It's right. not a billion dollars next year. It's It's... A billion dollars over the course of the next twenty years. It is not a crazy amount of money. They're paying Otani two million bucks next year and for the next nine after that. Yeah, so the players association actually values the Otani contract at like four hundred and eighty or ninety million dollars somewhere. I don't have the term in front of me, but uh, they you know, they account for inflation. So we all know that what a dollar is worth today, it's gonna be worth less tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. So it's not a seven hundred million dollar contract in right. the eyes of baseball, it's a four hundred and ninety million dollar contract. Still gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of money, but it's not seven hundred million dollars the way uh, baseball looks at it. 
Otani is the only player walking the face of the earth who can take that deal because he makes more money in endorsements than he does on what he's going to make. He makes like $40 million in endorsements every single year. Number two on that list, uh, Forbes came out with it, like Aaron Judge and Mike Trout each make between 4 and $5 million. So Otani literally makes 10 times what the second highest paid endorser in baseball mix. So Otani is the only guy who could sign that contract and defer that kind of money. I will say this on the Yamamoto contract, and I I, I think I've got a pretty good track record of saying I like it when players get paid. I want to see a lot of money be spent. The only thing, the only thing that makes me a little bit uncomfortable about the Yamamoto deal, and I think he's going to be a fantastic major league pitcher, he has never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball, and he just signed the largest contract for a pitcher ever. Like that, that makes me feel mildly uncomfortable, but it's not something that I'm really upset about. Matt, just with the little bit of time we have left, I do want to mention Mizzou. We talked about it a little bit on Tuesday. Tigers play tomorrow night in the Cotton Bowl down in Arlington against Ohio State. A uh, couple of surprise announcements that uh, Ohio State running back Travion Henderson and tight end Cade Stover are both going to play in the Cotton Bowl. Maybe not big surprises, but certainly they weren't guarantees. Marvin Harrison Jr., their star receiver, uh, top projected pick, still hasn't announced one way or the other, but he Bears. hasn't been participating in practice. Bears. So it's pretty unlikely. I think he'd rather be a bear Bears. than a Buckeye. Pretty unlikely he plays. As a result, though, maybe in part of Henderson and Stover announcing they will play, that line has moved considerably yeah. in the last 24 hours or so, and Missouri is now a three-and-a-half-point underdog, plus 150 on the money line. Do you still like the Tigers to win? I do, and maybe that's kind of a hometown sort of thing here. I just think this game means so much more to Missouri than it does to Ohio State. And, and you look at the videos that are coming out, and obviously I'm not, I don't follow Ohio State on social media. I follow Mizzou stuff, but uh, just seeing everything that's being said, man, it it really feels like this game means so much to Missouri, and we're not hearing that about Ohio State. That's a big line for a line to move two and a half points over 48 hours is big. And when you go back two more days beyond that, uh, Mizzou was a one point favorite, so that's a that's a four and a half point movement in less than a week. So that certainly uh, is notable. I still feel very good about Missouri in this game. Oh, um, the Chiefs. Let me ask you a question about the Chiefs. We're the home of the Chiefs here on KMOX. They'll play Cincinnati on uh, Chris, uh, Christmas, New Year's Eve. It'll be a 325 start. Uh, is Taylor Swift ruining them? No. Okay. Are you sure? Uh, the, yes, I'm sure. The fact that they don't have receivers who can catch and make and get separation from defensive backs. So why why does Trav how come Travis Kelsey can't play no more? What's his problem? like triple coverage every single time because he's the only guy that can catch a football. And not even he he had a couple drops last week. Why is Patrick Mahomes yelling at the sideline every game? Why is he yelling he, at the, why is he yelling at Matt Nagy of bears, every game? Matt Nagy. That guy. Be, I think he has no clue how to handle what's going on with this team Adversity? right now and he yeah. Wow. And he he's trying to show some like leadership, and he doesn't totally know how to do it. I think the lack of Eric Bieniemy, who was like the guy in that organization who kept you know held everybody accountable in a very aggressive kind of way, that's not there. And I I just think this team and this organization, with all the winning that they have done in recent years, have no clue how to handle what's going on right now. And the the physical representation of that is just some of these weird things we've seen on the sidelines. So it's Nagy's fault. Okay. Mm-hmm. Told you. Told you not to get back into it. They made a real big mistake. Matt Nagy. It's going to ruin your whole season. Hey, Matt Pauley. 
Yes. Appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Have a very happy... Countdown to opening day tonight, 6 o'clock. Yep. 6 to 8, myself, Mike Claiborne, doing our thing. Cardinals talk tonight, 6 to 8 o'clock, right? We're the only place you can get good live sports talk at 6 o'clock from 6 until 8, right here on KMOX. At least live sports talk. I don't know about the good part, but at least live. No, it's good and live. Ain't nobody else doing that like you're doing it, Matt Pauley. Okay. Bye, Matt. Bye. (laughs) Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.